welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, once again bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week we are talking with artist Lawrence Naff, who has a new exhibit at the Gaylord Pickens Museum at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City, which has got us pondering our question of the week, who is your favorite Oklahoma visual artist? First up is Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. Um, this is a hard one because there's a lot of really, really great visual artists out there. Um, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Paul Judd, um, who is a, I believe, Kiowa and Choctaw artist. Um, he is, his stuff is so kind of pop culture informed and it's a lot of fun and a uh, really big fan of his. I'm a really big fan of Marwin Begay, who's another native artist. Um, so much so that I once came very close to dropping $800 I did not have on a painting of his that I really, really loved. Um, also a huge fan, I actually do have some of his work in my house of, uh, Roy Boney. Mm-hmm. Um, his, I have his uh, award-winning uh, portrait of Andrew Jackson uh, that won the Cherokee Homecoming Art Show uh, 10 or more years ago. That was really great. And then he did a Simpson-style sequoia. <laughs> and I also have a print of that in my home. I um, got that for you. You did. That's yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that piece. And, um, and then in my – also, sorry, I'm just a huge fan of native art. Um, back when I was a kid, my mom was friends with um, an artist named Woody Bigbow. And he gifted her three works that are in my house now, too, as well. So um, big fan of those guys. Uh, the, the Sequoia one's in your dining room, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. that's right there in the corner. That's Everybody's always... been to my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's yeah. all. I, whenever I go to, to Nate's house, one of the first things I do is I always, you have such a really great art collection. Oh, I love to, love to come see it. Uh, Managing editor Carly Ibarra, have you seen art? I have seen uh, art <laughs> once or twice in my lifetime. Um, I think my favorite uh, visual artist in Oklahoma right now has to be Lawrence Naff because he's doing rhinestones are like traditionally such a lowbrow medium. Like it's kind of the trashy one, but he has taken it and transformed it into Completely something. Elevated. I mean, yeah. it's just amazing. And the thing that I love the most about it is that you cannot. You can't take a photo and show people what it looks like. You mm-hmm. really have to be there. You have to move around it and see how the light plays with it and everything. And it's just it's just an experience. Yeah. I have one of his pieces in my house, too. Yes. Love that guy. You know, it's, um, uh, sorry, slightly off topic. Have you guys heard about this uh, paint called Musso Black? No. It is, it's supposed to be the, like, the world's blackest black. It absorbs oh. 99% of light. And so. Hey, so does my heart. <laughs> Uh, I, but but I've seen people doing sculptures uh, painted in it, and it's fascinating because it looks like Photoshop in real life. Yeah. It, like something is just, it's like, is this cut out of reality? So I love the idea, though, of, uh, I, and that's with mine as well. I Sometimes there there's art that... Um, that is beautifully reproduced in a print or in a photo, but some stuff you absolutely have to see for yourself. Uh, Completely. Photo editor Megan Rossman. Well, my favorite Oklahoma artist passed away in 2004, but his name was J. Jesse J. McVicker, but he was known as J. J. McVicker, and he... Oh, it's hard. He, I discovered his art because he, I found it, some of it at a, um, like a mod resale store in Tulsa. Mm. And it's just these beautiful landscapes. He captured the color of like Oklahoma, like the mood right before a thunderstorm so well. And I was like, who is this person? I need to find out more about them. And he was a professor at OSU and he, 
um, he was big in regionalism, but he never really, you know, got a lot of national recognition. He never really took off um, in a in a household name kind of way. But he is. I recommend everyone Google him because his landscapes, he did landscapes and then he did some more sort of abstract, some like patternism kind of stuff. And he is amazing. Hmm. Um, and also I do love Roy Boney, who He's is great. very much still alive yeah. here in Oklahoma. Um, what you said actually made me think too, I forgot one of my biggest heroes of Oklahoma, not just art, but everybody is um, Harold Stevenson. Oh yeah. Ida yeah. Bell, who I got to write a story about. And that's such a weird story because I decided to do a feature on him. He um, And he died while I was doing it. Yeah. And so that was such a weird experience. But um, like literally the morning I was going to go visit him, he was in a he was in a care facility and had dementia, but um, a friend of his was going to introduce us, and he passed away literally that night. Like I was in Broken Bow, and he died that night. Um, but uh, he, among many things, he did. He got uh, he introduced Andy Warhol to the New York art scene. Mm. He got Andy Warhol's first his first gallery show, and was in uh, the New Realists, which was the show that introduced pop art to the world. Um, so he was in there with Warhol and Liechtenstein and all those and Robert Indiana and all these amazing giants of pop art. And his, one of his coolest, uh, achievements was he had a piece displayed on the grounds of the Eiffel Tower in Paris that slow, that stopped traffic in the seventh arrondissement <laughs> so much so that the French government ordered it taken down. It, it was like <laughs> hanging off the Eiffel yeah, Tower, right? Yeah, yeah, it was right there on the Eiffel Tower and people were driving by to see it and it just, like, it just completely obliterated the traffic. <laughs> that's that that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Art, art so about good, it. it causes traffic accidents. That's pretty great, yeah. Uh, research editor Ben Lucian. Well, this is a difficult question to answer because uh, there's so much um, variety yeah. of art and artists in the state. Um, like, I, I just feel like there, no matter what you're uh, looking for, like, there's just a, a style out there for everything. Um, but, you know, the art that stands out to me is what affects me uh, the most on a, like, emotive, uh, emotional level. Mm -hmm. And as far as that goes, I don't think there's any uh, Oklahoma artist that stands out to me more than uh, Ebony Dallas, Ebony Amon Dallas. Oh, yeah, Ebony's great. Uh, yeah, uh, her work is terrific. Uh, you may have seen it at, uh, she had an exhibit at Oklahoma Contemporary recently. Um, a lot of her work is inspired by her. She just has this incredible story. If you don't know her story, I definitely encourage you to uh, Google uh, Ebony Dallas and uh, read all about it because it's quite uh, quite interesting. Um, just reuniting uh, with her long lost family in uh, Somalia. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting, and her her work is informed by that. Uh, I own uh, several prints of her work. I'm not. I'm not uh, at the uh, the originals level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> level. Uh, originals someday, uh, but yeah, I just love Ebony's work, and uh, she's a terrific person as well. So that's true. That's true. What about you, Greg? Uh, I think like everybody else, I it's we're spoiled for choice. You yeah, know, we really are. Um, I, I I recently moved into a new house, and uh, we've been putting up and moving in a lot of art and. A lot of stuff that I, um, so like years ago uh, when um, 
after my son was born, Jack Fowler painted a uh, hmm. a painting of the uh, of the Thin Man, um, uh, which is uh, the title of a Dashiell Hammett book, which is where uh, my son got his name, and uh, you know there lot lots and lots of uh, stuff. For me, it, it was really hard to narrow it down. I one guy that I think is flying under the radar for a lot of people is a local sculptor named uh, Tim Cooper. Um, uh, he's a guy I've known for a few years and he, he does, uh, wood and stone and, uh, it, 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 very large sculptures as well. And it's always fascinating to me that someone can take a, a block of, of, uh, wood or, or metal or stone and, and coax a figure or, or a shape or whatever out of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and his stuff is uh, much like you were talking about, Carly, it's one of those that you have to see because, the way that the his sculptures kind of turn in on each other uh, and and uh, on themselves, um, it's you know you have to see it in person to see kind of how how the light hits it from every different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is also a very talented painter, uh, Aaron Cooper. Um, oh yeah, and, and we've got some uh, got some of her stuff. Can we um, give a real quick shout out to to uh, our Oklahoma Today chief artist JJ Ritchie? Well, yes, and oh, yes. Um, just how how much personality um, all their stuff adds to the magazine every issue. Um, it's just amazing. It blows me away every time. I have a uh, a rejected Oklahoma Today cover in my <laughs> in my home that I I, I got from her. Um, yeah. It's uh, uh, it was I, our uh, Jaws take off from our oh, big catfish thing. story yeah um and i i saw that and i was like it, you know i wanted it on the cover so bad but, yeah. but when it didn't make it i was like please sell me a print of this and, <laughs> and she was very yeah, uh that was a good one yeah that was that was, that was really wonderful um we had a bunch of answers i would recommend everybody head to our instagram page instagram.com slash oklahoma today and look at this one because so many people um, uh, answered and also linked to. Yeah, you can get a lot of good recommendations. Uh, yeah, on lots that of, post. And, and you can see who the artists are. Um, uh, Tracy Zeke uh, mentioned LaQuincy Reed. Um, Carla Brady said Kelly Pennington and uh, tagged Kelly Pennington, who then came in and said that her favorite was uh, Gay Falconberry. Okay. Which I always love. I always love that uh, when when people are like, it's like, thank you so Spreading much uh, that you love my art. Here's who I love, um, <laughs> and and you know, kind of passing it on. Uh, Dylan Cavan, another wonderful oh, yeah. artist. Who you know, did, I almost oh, yeah. said him. Uh, yeah, um, uh, he's great. He's cover done artist. Two mm-hmm. covers for two us. Covers, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, his uh, his bison photo, uh, his bison print, and his uh, and his um, uh, scissor trail flycatchers mm-hmm. uh, uh, online are, are really wonderful. Excellent. Uh, he said Bert Seaborn. Um, and also then, great. Uh, Jess Crothers, soon to be Elwell, uh, <laughs> said, uh, said uh, her bandmate Michael Benger, uh, who That's is right. uh, who is doing a lot of uh, great paintings. We have one of his hanging up in our in our uh, little kitchen mm-hmm. there, and um, yeah, so. Really wonderful art. Uh, again, Instagram.com slash Oklahoma Today. Um, uh, if you are not already following us, go ahead and follow us. That'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> but also, it's a really good chance for you to see uh, all the links that people have posted to, to some really great so art. So many good artists. Uh, such a great, rich art heritage here in Oklahoma. And uh, speaking of that, let's hear Carly's interview with Lawrence Naff. Hello, and we are here today talking to the amazing artist Lawrence Naff about his new exhibit, Reflection Symmetry, at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. So, Lawrence, welcome. Thank you very much. So, for people who sadly are not yet versed in your art, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you create? Yes, yeah, so the best or the closest that I could come to describing it is 
uh, mosaic with rhinestones mm -hmm. or assemblage with rhinestone and found jewelry parts. Mm -hmm. uh, put rhinestones onto surfaces, usually two-dimensional at this point, sometimes three-dimensional as well, but with the flat-back rhinestones individually and gemstones, crystals, and sometimes found jewelry parts. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to ask you specifically about the found jewelry parts because I was looking at one of your pieces in the exhibit, and it looks like the edge is finished with um, like part of a watch. Is that what that is? On It's the lapis lazuli one. Yes. Uh, I've started doing the sides of the two-dimensional panels because there was a part of it that kind of looked unfinished, and I didn't like that, so I started filling those in. But yes, that is a watch chain. There's a jewelry supply store in town called Chance Jewelry Supply. Oh, yeah. And from there, I was able to order a, just a whole roll of watch chain, uh -huh. and I used that to finish the sides of some of the pieces. That is so cool. So when you, what is what is your process for a piece? Do you, do you have, do you gather your materials first, or do you sketch? What do you, how do you get started? So I really just have an image in my head. It pops up, and I sketch it really quickly. It's really, you know, a crude drawing, really, just to get the idea on pa on paper, so I don't modify it. Because you know, when you have a dream, you remember it very freshly in the morning, but as the day goes on, you don't remember the details as much. Mm -hmm. So I do sketch it out, and then I decide the colors. If that wasn't in the idea to begin with, I'll play around with colored pencils or something and create the colors, and then execute. So I'll draw the outline do the complicated part first of the design and then fill in just the color. Mm -hmm. If there's a part of it that's a solid color, then that'll be the last part that I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, but when you're talking about filling in colors, this is not just like painting where you're just, you know, a couple <laughs> strokes. It is like a whole process. Like how long does it usually take you to finish a piece? Yeah, it depends on the size. Uh, if it's four inches by four inches, a really small piece, I can get that done between my full-time job mm -hmm. <laughs> in about a week or two. Okay. But if it's a very large piece, like the 20 inch by 20 inch panels, mm -hmm. which is large for me, then that'll be a a month or two. Mm -hmm. It can take a bit longer because that space I need to cover yeah. individually. So I wanted to ask you about one of the pieces in your show, um, Pyrite 4, and that's one of those bigger pieces. And I turned the corner in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame and just, it took my breath away. Like it is so sparkly and magnificent. Like how long did that piece take? Oh, that piece I started in, it was uh, October uh -huh. and then I finished it in February. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it, it paid off. It is it's truly, I mean, it looks like a, like a labyrinth made of gold surrounded by, you know, beautiful clear rhinestones. Like it just, it just catches the light and it's just, wow. Yeah. That was the first time that I played with that color combination, the white and the gold. Mm -hmm. I did it before long ago on a phone case, but uh, doing it on one of my two dimensional pieces, that's the first. And I really enjoy that combination. The very center of it has a brooch. It was a brooch that I repurposed from um, Jan's Joy Supply. Mm -hmm. I cut off the pin on the back of it, filed it down, and it's in the very center. But out of the context of, the, of it being jewelry, you can't really tell what it was originally. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool piece to, to add to that. And that was actually the backdrop of uh, my wedding a few years ago. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, like, the thing that I love the most about your pieces is that you have to see them in person in order to really understand. You have to move in front of them, and it requires kind of interaction from the audience. Is that intentional? It just comes with using rhinestones. Mm -hmm. You can't really, in jewelry, you don't really get the 
effect or the play of light in a photograph as you would with the work in person. Mm -hmm. And that is, I guess, when you shop online for jewelry, you'll sometimes see an animation of them having it move left and right, mm -hmm. so you can see the sparkle and the light hitting it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is kind of a necessity to understand the work to see it in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and it's totally, totally worth it. What a beautiful exhibit. So I noticed that um, Jason Wilson, the other artist, um, he had a piece called Fortitude. And then there's a, you have a piece next to that called, I believe it's Pyrite 3, and in parentheses, Fortitude. Did you and uh, Jason ever work together to uh, pick pieces or, or in any way for the exhibit? That's a pure coincidence. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that worked out great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what is your favorite piece in the exhibit? I have a couple. Uh, the one called Fortitude that you just mentioned, that one is one of my favorites. Uh, it is more three-dimensional because there are some elements that hang out and dangle. There are five chains that move, so as people are moving around in the gallery, I expect that those little pendants at the end of it will move about with the wind. Mm -hmm. And the other is a new one, the one called White Flight. That one is one of my favorites because it's the first that I'm ever, the first to display that has social commentary. Mm-hmm. I was actually wondering, um, I know that you have another three-dimensional piece in there in the exhibit called Justice, and it is a gavel that has been bedazzled in rhinestones. Is that, or were you trying to make some sort of statement with that one, or was it just an object that really interested you? The latter. It's just an object that interested me, and I, one thing to note on one side and the other is that one side has a design that's straight, mm -hmm. and the other side has a design that's kind of squiggly, and so it represents kind of the um, double-sided nature of, of political beliefs in our justice system. Mm -hmm. So that's like one's more conservative and one's more fluid or liberal. So that's what that rec represents on the side of it. Mm -hmm. But the piece in itself, aside from that element, uh, it's just a pretty object. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful. So um, where, what kind of things inspire you? I know in the past some of your pieces have been inspired by biology, organic forms and shapes. What, what are you currently into? While a lot of people might, might recognize it, I am inspired by horror films and lots of video games. Uh-huh. Really? So don't know if you noticed the piece called Rejoice Configuration. It was a blue and gold cube. Mm -hmm. That one is inspired by the Lament configuration from Hellraiser series. Oh, you know, that's so <laughs> funny because when I saw that, I was like, this is like the happy version of that of that box. <laughs> Hence the name. So yeah, the other one, Lament, this one, Rejoice. Uh -huh. Oh, that is so funny. I, I totally didn't make that connection, but I, I see that. That's so cool. So... For your three-dimensional objects, how do you how do you kind of wrap your head around something like that, like covering it? Because obviously a canvas is pretty straightforward, but mm -hmm. how do you how do you go about working with those irregular shapes? In particular, the cube is really is easy because it's a flat surface, but mm -hmm. just six times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the harder ones are the round ones, like an egg or a, or a sphere. Mm -hmm. Those are harder to work with because as you're adding more rhinestones onto one side, it becomes heavier, so it wants to fall over and roll over to the other side. Mm -hmm. So the way that I work around that is putting a towel, something that's not so easy to roll like a flat surface mm -hmm. would. I'll put the towel on the bottom to keep it from rolling over automatically. Oh, okay. That's a low-tech trick that, <laughs> that works. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. 
So what, what I, I understand that um, there is going to be a panel discussion kind of centering around one of the pieces in the exhibit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So one of the pieces is called White Flight. I had the idea for it years ago when I was talking to my mother, and she told me about Spring Lake Amusement Park that existed years ago, but now is in the location where, um, or, or sorry, it's where now is Metrotech. Mm-hmm. She told me, yeah, that's back when Park Estates, the neighborhood near it, was a white neighborhood. And me growing up in the 90s, I had no idea that it was ever a white neighborhood. I always known it as a black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And she told me, yeah, it's called White Flight. And this happened all over the country after segregation ended. Blacks were moving into white neighborhoods, and immediately they were selling their houses almost at a loss, or often at a loss, to move into suburbs that didn't have uh, people of color in it. Mm-hmm. And me being so surprised about this and being new information in my 20s, I go online to find more research, and there's so much information about it that wasn't taught in school, that wasn't passed down, and a lot of people don't know it from, you know, around my age, don't have, won't have any idea about this. So um, it made me sketch out this, I made this little sketch that is a city, represents a city in the very middle, and then little lines that go out to other cities or other towns nearby. And I would use the color to represent the demographics. Mm-hmm. And that's how I created that piece. So that panel discussion will be about white flight and the history of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be next week. Mm-hmm. Next week? When, when is that exactly next week? That'll be the 16th. The 16th. Okay. Do At you... Oklahoma Hall of Fame from 5 o'clock to 7.30. Okay. Excellent. And so was that, that particular piece, was that um, hard for you to work on given the subject matter? Not really. Uh, after I, I really had the idea years ago, and I mm-hmm. hesitated on finishing it, but I was glad to have this opportunity to finally share it and have some programming come from it as well. But no, it wasn't hard to work on. What was rewarding was the research and talking to so many people and learning more about it. Because mm-hmm. it was not as black and white as I thought when I was first learning about it. There were the people being pushed, there were white people being pushed out of their neighborhood by uh, some real estate investors telling them, hey, you need to sell your house really quickly or else you're going to lose your home or you're going to lose the value. And um, they would sell it to black people or rent it at a higher price, getting turning a profit. So some people were motivated by greed to to push people out of their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're taking something, a subject that is, that's very hard to talk about and creating this beautiful piece of art kind of centered around it. Is that part of your mission to, uh, you know, to show things in a beautiful way that cause people to think a little bit deeper? I think it's just a side effect of the medium. (laughs) Everything is going to be attractive or sparkly. So I, it's just so happy. If they were dull pebbles, then it wouldn't be the same effect, mm-hmm. although it would be the same work and design to it. But what I do enjoy is that you can look at that piece, and without the title, you might not be able to piece together what it what it is. Mm-hmm. But after you see the title, then you go, oh, okay, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I noticed that um, this piece in particular and some of the ones that you've done in the past have used uh, mirror elements in them. Is that um, strategic to help bring the viewer into the piece, or is that just something that you enjoy? For this piece in particular, the mirrors the mirrors are intentional for that to allow some of the viewers to have some introspection mm-hmm. and to consider their own position within the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, 
Lawrence, that, those are all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you for having me. I really love that guy. That was such a great interview. Yeah, he was. had so much wonderful information and just the way that he talks about his art. It's not pretentious at all. Yeah. It's just, but he, he knows what he's thinking and he knows what he's trying to present and yeah. it's just... I don't know. I just really love this. And art. watching him work is such a thing because I mm -hmm. could not do what he does. I mean, the steadiness of his hand alone, mm -hmm. right? And just right. with the tweezers and placing each individual rhinestone one at a time and like being able to take that grand vision and get it so granular. It's just, it's a heck of a thing to see. Mm -hmm. Like, I really hope everybody will go see that exhibit because it is, it's stunning. Uh, and, and any listeners who are in and around the Oklahoma City area should absolutely check out the Art on the Move program. Mm. Uh, if you would like to see art being made, uh, the Art on the Move program here is a chance to see local artists who will uh, paint, uh, sculpt, whatever. Um, uh, and they're, they're doing it in public. Uh, we actually had one in our building uh, yep. just that last week. the day that we, we interviewed Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So yeah, it's a really it's a it's a cool program, and there's a lot of there's just so many great places to encounter art. You know, you think of museums and galleries, but there's you know I I keep as we have had this discussion, she herself is not a visual artist, but probably one of the people that's introduced me to the most visual artists in Oklahoma is Mary Beth Babcock mm -hmm. um, at uh, Buck Adams Cosmic Curios in Tulsa. And I mean, if you want to know about Oklahoma art, man, she's one of the people that I would absolutely direct you to because she's just so. She's such a passionate advocate for it and such a passionate um, part of that community and really just does all that she can to, to boost Oklahoma artists in a way that's just so cool. I, I'd also say uh, when you're on the road, get off the interstate and hit some of those smaller highways and head through some of Oklahoma's smaller Absolutely. cities and towns. There are I – was, I was – I drove – uh, you did the diamond and back yesterday. <laughs> Woo, boy, now that. <laughs> I don't know how you're still awake. Uh, I'm not. Uh, this is I'm this is an AI program. This is okay. Chat GPT is running the podcast. I apologize. Chat Greg Elwell. <laughs> Chat, Chat GME. GME. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but but uh, all these little towns. I was so I loved. Uh, it, honestly, if I if I was not like on a strict schedule trying to get somewhere for right. an interview, I was I wanted to pull over and take pictures so often because there's so many there's murals everywhere. Yeah. We have really Oklahoma has opened up uh, to murals so much over the last few mm -hmm. years, and it, it it's I, I I want everyone to be out there exploring because there's there's art everywhere and it's it's gorgeous and it's um, it's such a beautiful thing that connects all of us mm -hmm. um, and, and really enriches uh, every every one of those small towns. Absolutely. That'd be a good future question, too. What's your favorite piece of public art yeah. in Oklahoma? There's a lot to choose from. Yep. Oh, man, so much. Uh, all right, it is now time for us to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendars for our weekly pod events. And first up this week is Ben. Well, right after Greg's impassioned art speech, I have to... <laughs> Come tell something silly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well, here it goes. It's a whole range of emotions here on the podcast. If you're looking for someone leading a debonair life of excitement and intrigue, dear listeners, you may need to look elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up. I go to work. I microwave the leftovers. I go home. I read something boring for grad school, and then I go to sleep. And I do it all again the next day, too. Most of the time, my life is about as exciting as the beige paint swatch card from your local hardware store. But there are exceptions to this rule. You see, when I slip on this little black domino mask and head out 
to the annual Tulsa Mardi Gras Masquerade <laughs> this Saturday at Tulsa VFW Post 577. I seized my identity as Ben the Humble Fact Checker and transform into Danger Ben, a type of person who is for sure very exciting and mysterious. Would a boring person go to a place that has burlesque, fire performers, stilt walkers, jugglers, and various other entertaining carnies? No, they wouldn't. Boring Ben might eat leftovers, but Danger Ben eats from a buffet of authentic Cajun cuisine and sips French 75s until well after midnight. Nice. Boring Ben dreams of going to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Danger Ben inhabits the New Orleans experience no matter where he's at. Even if you're not feeling particularly dangerous, can you really say no to free bead necklaces and the satisfaction of knowing 50% of event profits go to support the Tulsa Veterans of Foreign Wars Association? Cool. I think not. Danger Ben will see you and you pre-Linton party animals there. Tickets are $20 for general admission and $50 for VIP. For more information, call 918-576-4003 or visit MardiGrasTulsa.com. Sounds fun. I You were so busy looking at your write-up that I think you missed the look of terror on Carly's face when you mentioned <laughs> putting on a domino mask. And I was like, this. this. She was like, wait, where is this going? Yeah. Danger Ben. What is Danger a domino mask? I don't know what a it's domino mask is. Like, like it's a like a Lone Ranger. Yeah, like a Lone yeah. Ranger Oh, oh like a, a Mardi Gras mask. A very subtle mask. Yeah. masquerade. Yeah. yeah. Okay, a masquerade mask. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nate, what's your event? Well, you know, we have a good time making fun of Texas on this here podcast, but... We're going to do it some more. <laughs> uh, I got some jokes. I got jokes. Why did Texas disband its water polo team? All the horses drowned. <laughs> How do you know the toothbrush was invented in Texas? Because if it was invented in Oklahoma, it'd be called the teeth brush. <laughs> Why was the wave banned at Daryl K. Royal Stadium at the University of Texas at Austin? Why? Two people drowned. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you call a pretty person in Texas? A visitor. So if you're you're enjoying this level of discourse, might I invite you to head to Norman at 1 p.m. Saturday, February 25th to see the University of Oklahoma women's basketball team take on the Texas Longhorns at the Lloyd Noble Center. These women are nursing a grudge after losing in Austin last month, and this time, it's personal. Well, it's always personal uh, when these tools, when these two schools collide, but that's why it's always such great fun. Tickets start as low as ten dollars, but fifteen will get you into a courtside section. I mean, the most expensive tickets that I found were fifteen dollars. So this is cheap. This is fun. It's going to be a great time. I will say the tickets have started to sell out, um, and we're recording this several days before you're going to hear it. So act fast. Um, visit Soonersports.com or call the box office at 405-325-8200. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun I think, game. Yeah, I might actually go. Also, I'm just going to throw this out there. If we want to add a section to the podcast every week where we rag on Texas more, <laughs> I, I'm all for it. Uh, Megan, what's your event this week? Steak. <laughs> all right. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> Spanakopita. Sandwiches. Sushi. Spaghetti. Sometimes few things are as inspiring as your next good meal. Food is, after all, essential to our being. So it's no surprise that it's been the muse of artists since they could paint a cow on a cave wall. At Oklahoma Contemporary, from now through May 
from now through May 22nd, you can feast your eyes on its newest exhibit, The Art of Food. You'll see work from Andy Warhol, Roy Lichten, uh, Lichtenstein, John Baldessari, Jenny Holzer, Lorna Simpson, and Ed Ruscha, among others, in this edibly-minded ensemble of more than 100 pieces from 36 artists. And this isn't just still lifes of fruit baskets. This exhibit delves deeper, looking at the relationships between society and food. Subjects like farming, politics, equality, and food insecurity are woven throughout, creating a thought-provoking visual survey about what humans shove into their pie holes. <laughs> For more information, visit oklahomacontemporary.org. You went to that opening, didn't you? I did. It was, and uh, there was food, and, <laughs> and food art. <laughs> and, and Did people. anyone accidentally eat the art? Or stare at the food? No, oh, I okay. stared at the food. <laughs> that, would, that would be really great to go, and there's just a buffet there, and you're like, hmm, I get this. Yeah, uh, yeah Someone's no, like standing they in front had, of the buffet weeping. They had tiny, they had little miniature wedding cakes there. Mm. Like, That's cute. And I ate one. <laughs> and I also ate some pretzels, and uh, I think that's actually a full accounting of what I ate there, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll let you know if I think of other things okay. I ate. Okay. So awesome. somewhere a miniature bride is weeping. She's yeah. like, that was yeah. my cake. Uh, Carly, what's your event? Um, I'm going to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for a little lightning trivia round, if that's okay. Mm. Uh, so first question, Leona Mitchell, the Grammy-winning lead soprano at the Metropolitan Opera in New York for 18 years, was born in what western Oklahoma town? Uh, oh. Ding, 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 ding correct. Ding, ding. <laughs> okay, 13 historic black towns still exist in Oklahoma. Name three. Bowley, mm -hmm. Langston, and Tate. IXL. IXL. Yep, yep. Tatums. Tatums. Yes. Tatums, not Tate. Tatums. Yeah, that's very good. We've also got Sorry. Brooksville, Clearview, Grayson, uh, Lima, Redbird, Rentiesville, Summit, Taft, Tallahassee, and Vernon. I got Taft and Tatums combined, and I ended up with Tate. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. Okay. Okay, last question. What Oklahoma City-born artist worked with director Spike Lee to create all of the artwork in his Netflix series, She's Got a Habit, and has also had residencies with the Museum of Modern Art and the New York City Commission on Human Rights? Megan Rossman. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, dang. <laughs> Anybody? Okay. Okay. Well, she's a relatively new artist, so Tatiana Foz leads the day. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, she worked with... I didn't either. That's she cool. has done her CV is pretty astounding. Hmm. Um, she also had a great exhibit at Oklahoma Contemporary. It's true. Yes, she yes. did. Yes. Um, so if you, dear listeners, were able to answer those questions, or even if you weren't, then you should bring that big, beautiful brain of yours to the African American Heritage Bowl, February 23rd. Starting at 7 p.m., teams from local middle schools, high schools, and non-student members of the public will compete for trophies, prizes, and bragging rights at Tulsa's Rudisil Regional Library. Though this event is free, make sure and register as soon as possible. Everyone gets a study guide to help prepare. Call 918-549-7565 for more information. That That's great. Like yeah, that does sound like fun. Wait, even just getting a study guide. Yeah. When's the last time, I, when's the last time someone gave me a study guide? Uh, I don't know. It was yesterday. In <laughs> um, Gaiman? Yes. What about you, Greg? Well, let me ask you. When was the last time you made friends with a building? For instance, I like to head by the Devon Tower once in a while, pat the side of the old girl, and say, hey, nice posture. 
Positive reinforcement's important, y'all. This weekend, you too can form an intimate bond with several pieces of architecture during the Friends of the Metropolitan Library System annual book sale at the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds. Guys, our libraries are so full of books that they've become bloated, and they don't feel comfortable wearing horizontal stripes. More than 800,000 books, magazines, DVDs, and other bits of ephemera are for sale at prices so low you'll feel like a thief. But please, stop turning yourselves into the police. This sale is totally legal, and you're doing a solid to your local library, which is desperately trying to slim down in time for beach reading season. <laughs> Head to the Oklahoma State Fair Park on February 25th and 26th. Admission is free, and hey, you might even find that coveted full run of Oklahoma Today magazines dating back to the 1960s. It's been spotted there before. <laughs> it really has. Head to supportmls.org to learn more. That's cool. Yeah, I love can... the Friends of the Library sale. It's also a good volunteer opportunity. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, and if you volunteer, you get to shop early. So you, you do get, get to you shop get the early. real good stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, the sound of librarians shushing themselves to sleep means that this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. But if you just can't get enough, head over to oklahomatoday.com. You can pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at travelok.com. We'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of the Oklahoma Today magazine and Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production help by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye.